Before you use AI to transform your agency, you need to begin with trust. Introducing Watson X Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com federal. IBM. Let's create. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. And a very good evening to all, and welcome to Thursday night's Strikes and Legends show brought to you on the iCast Media Network from the iCast Media Studios in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have from Thomasville, North Carolina, Bill Blair. And we have from Dade City, Florida, Alex Nickerson. And we have from Dawsonville, Georgia, Cody Dinsmore. So we got the whole gang together tonight. We're going to have our Daytona Speedway special, but before we get started with that, let's take a special second to recognize all the tragedy that happened in Parkland, Florida, and certainly the prayers and thoughts of ICAST Media Network and all its members go out to the families, the law enforcement officers, school administrators, and everybody involved in that horrific tragedy. It's just Unbelievable that things like that happen in our country, but it does, and we've just got to continue to pray that things will get better and that people will will see fit to do what's necessary to see it doesn't happen again. Okay, uh, we want to start out tonight, Bill, with you, because tonight is the, well, today is the 65th anniversary of your father's 1953 win on the beach at Daytona. So you were there. How about tell us what happened that day? 
<laughs> they had a race. <laughs> no. uh, it was, uh, I can remember it, Tim. I won't say everything in detail, but to start with, I know my daddy's really excited to go up to Lansing, Michigan, and they picked him up at the airport. Uh, a guy named Don Parkins, he was the head engineer for Oldsmobile. And they drove over to uh, Pontiac, and uh, they had made six of those special cars in 1953. And Oldsmobile kept one of them. They gave Fonny Flock one, and uh, my daddy one, Herschel McGriff, Frank Alford, and uh, the guy up in Chicago, Illinois, Bob Pronger. And uh, Fonny's was at the beach. My daddy's was at the beach, and... Uh, Bob Pronger was at the beach, so they had three of them down there. And uh, this it was a special package. The engines, all the stuff was uh, balanced to a closer tolerance than they normally did. They checked them closely uh, in CC in the heads and deck in the block. They had gotten Howard out in California to grind them a special cam for them, and they also had uh, adjustable rock arms made, uh, a set of different push rods and bow cover, a 35,000-thick uh, head gasket, which was 20 less than the standard head gasket. They offered two different carburetors, and they you had your choice of them, or you could get both of them to see which one worked the best for you. For the suspension, it was basically a, a Hurst uh, suspension for the ambulances and so forth, which had heavier springs, heavier shocks, and a heavier sway bar and bigger brakes with a bigger gas tank. And that was basically the package. They offered different gear ratios more than ever than they had in the past, give you a, a different variety for different size tracks, and made a set of exhaust pipes for them that come out at the back of the door, and it was a prepared race car by the factory, and it's up to you to get the job done. And you could also take a 52 Oldsmobile, and NASCAR would allow you to put all those parts on the earlier model Oldsmobiles. But anyway, he was looking forward to, to going up there and getting it, and um, he couldn't wait to, to get it back home, and then uh, he drove it to Daytona Beach. Uh, Wes Hedgecock and uh, myself and my daddy drove it down there. Some others come in later, so they carried it over to Halifax Motors there, which was an Oldsmobile Cadillac dealer, and put the exhaust on it. And the guy who owned the old Cadillac dealer there, he had met my daddy two years before, and he was Westmanland was working on the cars, which were Oldsmobiles. And he assigned two of his staff, which mechanics, you know, to uh, help my daddy and do what needed to be done. They had taken it out on the highway and uh, checked the carburetor to see which one would get the best fuel mileage. They carried the car about two doors down from Halifax Motors. There was a truck shop there which had a chassis dyno for the trucks. And they arranged it to put the 53 O's on the chassis dyno, just like they did the trucks. And they set the time, and they moved it back and forth until it made the most horsepower. They messed with the jets and the carburetor to do likewise, and they pretty well had it tuned. And the guys from the 
dealership and went out to the uh, racetrack that day with my daddy, and uh, they helped in the pits, get everything set up and get it ready, your tires, your jack, and so forth, and, and they were ready to race. And uh, prior to that, add a little color to the story, the guys that went with my daddy, being that the Cadillac dealership provided two mechanics, they went around to the corner to the bar, and that's where they spent their days. <laughs> and uh, let the Cadillac dealership guys work on the car. But come race day, they all pitched in. And I don't know how many cars they had, but they used to start about 50, 60 or more cars. And um, they qualified them by doing the flying mile. And I believe my daddy qualified about six. Seemed like Fonny. Now, Bob Pronger had the pole, and I believe Fonny might have been second. And Frank Alford was there in his. I don't recall where he qualified, but um, they made a parade lap, stopped. And uh, there you come off the, uh, the the south turn and stopped them in the track. And I think they lined them up about six abreast. And Johnny Bruner got out there and uh, flagged them off. And uh, they took off and up the beach they went. And they went out of sight, so everybody jumped over the sand dunes and went along back there and stood along the highway waiting for them to come back. It was two mile up the beach, go through the north turn and come back down the blacktop which was A1A, and entered the south turn. And so here they come, and uh, my daddy was still in about sixth place when they come by, and incidentally I got a, a movie of that in color. Well, he began to pick them off uh, one about a lap, and it was not long. He was right up behind Foddy. And the plan was, being that he had lost a race down there before, and that Lincoln for running out of gas. It was a 160-mile race, 40 laps. And it was questionable, could you really make it about making a pit stop? And even in the modifieds, they were having problems with that. They had to stop, you know, and, and, and get gas. And depending on how you drove that car, that would uh, have a big part in whether or not you could make it. So he knew, he talked it over with Harry Payne, which was a friend of his up here in High Point, North Carolina, and and uh, they knew that Fonny liked the showboat. You know, Fonny was a good ambassador to the stock car racing, and he put a show on everywhere he went. And um, they knew that he was going to be spinning the tires coming off the corners, which were easy to do in those days. Remember, the tires were only about five, five and a half inches wide of width of tread, so it's pretty easy to spin them. And with a new package that they had, they had a lot more power. So Fonny, you know, going into the corners, he'd downshift and he'd go through the turns and then he'd light the tires up and just spin them just as far as he could and then shift it in the high gear. Well, my daddy did the deal like short shifting. He'd put it in the high gear quickly and not lugging it off the corner, but he'd bring it off the corner by spinning the wheels. And uh, that saved a ton of gas because going up, imagine coming through the corners, you had to slow down something like 40, 50 mile an hour at least, sometimes lower than that, uh, slower than that, depending on what was around you. So you had to lug those 4,000 pound cars up the beach. And then when you went through the north turn, then uh, as it tracked the sand from the tires out onto the blacktop, well, you, you, you didn't get no traction to speak up. Well, Fonny had got some distance on him, but it uh, wasn't concerned. They knew Fonny was going to have to make a pit stop. And they just laid back and saving gas, and they had the other cars behind them, so they didn't have to worry about it. 
as long as the third and fourth place was behind him. Well, sure enough, about the last lap, my daddy passed on because he'd run out of gas, and uh, he went and got the checker flag first. And the uh, first thing that Harry Pang asked him, said, did you get the checker flag? And he comes in the pits. So my daddy told me he did, said, and you won the race. Because Sonny hadn't been back around, and Sonny's team car actually pushed uh, from the north turn, pushed Sonny all the way down the, the blacktop. Well, you know, there's a lot said about that. It's in the newspaper, how come one O's run out of gas? Well, uh, my daddy told him, said, well, he put both carburetors on that car, and before we ever got there, up there on, I believe, 321 below uh, Charlotte and uh Chester, South Carolina, where you can pick it up. And, you know, to the west of it now is where Interstate 77 is at. But those hills are just up and down. You can see for miles. They get it on empty and run it wide open to it, run out of gas. They just going to see how far they would go. And then he did the same thing, changed carburetors, and, and uh, done it again. And I guess that's a stretch of about 50, 60, 70 miles that you go through that forest down there, I guess it's a forest, there's a few little towns, but back in those days there wasn't nothing there. But that was a test ground, and uh, if you left here about 9 o'clock at night, you, you could be there early the next morning. And uh, those guys were driving down there in about seven hours from this part of the country. And they played with it like that, and, and they were pretty well prepared what they planned to do, and, and back in 53 that was the biggest race that uh, NASCAR had. And we also attended their victory dinner. You know, that's when Bill France gave the awards away each year. It was that, uh, that motel right there, the hotel to the end of 92. I started to say the shores, but I'm not sure that's it. But anyway, uh, he brought the trophy back home, and, and I still got the trophy. And, and I guess that's just part of history, but that's what happened for that particular race. Well, that's a very interesting story, of course, Bill, but you know, the last two years, I think, you've taken a replica of that very Oldsmobile down to Daytona for the beach parade through the north turn, and who drove that car for you this year? Well, uh, Mike Hilton did, and it was a real honor. Uh, he surprisingly knew a lot about what had taken place at the beach, and uh, we were talking about it as we was in the parade, and um, he knows a lot about the early stock car racing, and I'm hoping that he will start, you know, trying to uh, recognize some of the early guys, and, uh, but anyway, he, he drove it, and uh, it was an honor, and he recognized also that, hey, look at the people on the balconies in these hotels for a two-mile stretch, and it's estimated uh, Walt and Ron McGlossnick told me that they estimated about 15,000 people watched that. And uh, Mike Hilton also, we were talking about uh, Jim France. Jim's brought up, bought up a lot of property around there, like the old uh, National Guard Armory where they used to inspect the cars. And I think uh, surprisingly and pleasantly surprised that Jim France knows about the history of stock car racing. And I want to mention something else. Uh, it fell out on the floor out of a book, and I think my mother cut it out. It says, Kyle Petty. And this was back in the 80s. Uh, and he says here, don't forget the roots. And I want to quote two things that he said. Uh, 
And it says here, Kyle Petty, whose family has been around racing since its infancy, says NASCAR should not only look to the future, but also remember remember its past. Another quote, we're at a unique place in the sport where you can stand and look back and still see the beginnings. And, uh, you know, you and I talked some time ago that you know, I appreciate Kyle keeping on hammering them over to NASCAR Hall of Fame about recognizing early guys, and finally they have. So, Kyle, my hat's off to him, and, and uh, I admire him for voicing his opinion early on. Well, certainly I think anybody that steps in and to help what we're trying to do here and we're trying to help them or however it turns out, you know, I think that's important to all of us. But let's get on the subject for a minute, and Alex and Cody, you, you can jump in at any time on this. There was a great deal of discussion going on at Back to the Roots, I think it was Sunday afternoon, as to the those still alive that raced on the beach. And we came up with Paul Goldsmith, Rex White, Tom Pistone, Glenn Wood, Jim Reed, and Johnny Allen. Rex White, Tom Pistone, and Johnny Allen have all appeared on our show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And as for those who ran in the first 500, first they taught the 500, who are still a living, Richard Petty, Rex White again, Tom Pistone again, Johnny Allen again, Jim Reed again, Junior Johnson, and Brownie King, and of that group, Rex White, Tom Pistone, Johnny Allen, and Brownie King have all been on our show. So, you know, we're doing what we can to preserve the history here by these guys telling their own stories to us, and we've got them archived where you can go back and listen to them, and I think, you know, when you listen to Johnny Allen, when you listen to Brownie King, when you listen to Rex White, man, you're living history. You really are. What you guys think about that? I'm going to issue a correction to that statement. I know there are more living drivers than that who were in the first Daytona 500. Because I just talked to Dick Foley on Tuesday night, and he's still alive, as far as I can tell. And there's a driver from Minnesota named Bernie Henches. He's actually still alive and was there as well. I don't know of anybody else. There are too many drivers that are of unknown status. Yeah, well, with this situation, this was the people at the event all got together and were recalling all the things we could. We didn't have computer research or anything else to rely on, just the memories of the guys who were there. And I think that was pretty good to come up with the ones they did. So, you know, if there are two more out there, we certainly need to add them to the list. 
But I think uh, Dick Passwater. He's still living. Dick Passwater too. Yeah. 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 See. Okay. Well, we're coming up with more, even as we sit here and talk about it. But the point is, gentlemen, is that we're losing more and more of them every year. You know, as I sat there at the awards brunch, Marvin Panch Awards brunch Tuesday, and was looking around. You know, how how many of those guys are we going to lose this year? That's a sad thing to think about, but you know, we we have to face that fact. Yeah, that's a that's a thought I always dread. Yeah. But it is unfortunately something that has to be considered because yeah, every year you end up losing somebody. I mean, some years like last year, I mean last year was less painful than most years, but in other ways more painful. Yeah. And maybe not maybe not the there weren't the sheer number of drivers that passed away like in twenty fifteen or sixteen, but there was a lot of very famous and very or very well liked names like both Bud Moores. Yeah. Well, I keep thinking about the possibility of what's going to happen when we lose, like Glenn Wood, for instance, and Junior Johnson. That, those are two that really have had a big, huge part in the establishment and building of NASCAR. So, Cody, yeah. where are you sleeping, boy? No, you know, I, I'm just taken back, and, you know, it, it it is a shame, and, you know, I've worked with a lot of racing reunions uh, here in Georgia, and racers get-togethers and stuff, and, you know, the same thing is every year we lose more and more, and and we get to a point where it, it's almost, we ask ourselves, is it is it worth doing it for, for 20 people or something like that, you know, and, and 10 years ago, you know, these reunions I was a part of, we might have had 150 Uh you know, and, and recently we, we have a lot less and it's, it, it is a shame and it's just part of life. And, you know, I just, I hope that one day we can, uh, you know, keep the memory of, of the pioneers alive, but at the same time, start to really recognize, uh, the guys from the sixties and seventies. And, um, you know, uh, th- these guys that looked up to the pioneers that never really got the recognition they deserve. And, Maybe now, you know, we, we can we can start doing that. And as much as I hate to say it, um, you know, these pioneers are just they're just dying out pretty quickly. But it's uh, it's just a part of life, and you know, I, I, I hate it. But yeah, that's true. But you know, as we found out when we were in Daytona, so many of these guys, and Bill, I think you would agree, so many of these guys are in really good health to be the age they are. And then you've got some of them that are just really, you know, you wonder if they're going to make it through the trip home. Not saying that negatively, just saying they're not in the best of health. But they still come to these events in Daytona because it means that much to them. Well, it does. Dick Pacewater's not doing very well, and and he told me. And then you look at uh, Frank Warren. Um, it's hard on them. And I think uh, Cody made a good point. What are you going to do when you don't have but three or four or whatever left? And uh, I guess that some of them see that because uh, back the roots, it looks like they're updating theirs a little bit. We're bringing in Jeff Bodine and, and David Reagan and some others. And I guess that's something they got to do. And uh, it, it'll happen sooner or later. But now at the, excuse me, you can go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I think the David Reagan situation is because of the auction that they do for the Shriners Hospital. Where Jeff O'Dine came from, I am still at a loss to explain that, but I guess he may have heard about it and wanted to be a part of it. I just don't know the answer to that, Bill. I think Zeta, and Zeta was my understanding, invited him, but that's okay. I mean, you know, he's got name recognition, and uh, certainly that will help him uh, bring in more people because, it, you know, in about five or ten minutes, it was over as far as getting autographs. And they come in and, and got their autographs and left. So, uh, you know, really the handwriting's on the wall. It's like Cody said, there's not many of them left. And, uh, I mean, you can bring others in there, Tim, that, you know, haul gas and waxed a car and, or used to own a car or married somebody in the family. But uh, the real autograph guys that people come in want autographs of is the drivers. And without... I mean, Rex wasn't there. Look how many people missed him. Oh, Lord, yeah. And um, it, it's just a fact, like Cody said. There's no getting around it. we got to face it, and it's going to happen. And, uh, and, you know, I I think the big thing of it was is, you know, back in the mid-'90s, late-'90s, uh, a lot of these racing reunions started to come about, and people started to recognize these older drivers. You know, you think about the 50 greatest drivers in NASCAR uh, list, you know, unveiled in 98, and, I would just, off the top of my head, I'm going to say from 95 to, you know, 2010, racing reunion was such a big thing because these older pioneers at the sport, they never got recognition after they retired. So say if they retired in the 50s or the 60s, they kind of sat quiet for the next 20, 30 years. In the 90s, when uh, a lot of this history, you know, a lot of the Greg Fielding started to produce a lot of his books and, um, you know, different things like that, some some TV uh, pre-race recognition of, of older guys and stuff. And a lot of people started to learn about this stuff. But, you know, like I said before, uh, these people are, are slowly going out, going away. And we've got to educate the younger people, even the middle-aged people, that there still is history about. Um, and I think I watched an interview with Martin Truex yesterday, and he said it was such a great honor to be the, the guy that introduced uh, Red Byron to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. You know, they brought in the most recent champion for the first champion. And he said that was a huge honor right up there with winning the championship. And I thought that was really cool. And you talk about David Reagan, he's a, you know, he's a big advocate of, of the history. Um, and, you know, there's a few other guys like that. But for the most part, there's not a, a whole lot of uh, uh, interest from today's NASCAR for the older stuff, and I was just I was reading that the uh, the parade down there was the biggest turnout they'd ever had. You know, like you said earlier, fifteen thousand people. So I mean, that's 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 awesome. Um, but you know, like you said, Bill, with them, uh, the, the drivers, um, it's just a fact of life. And you know, hopefully we can we can pivot uh, the interest to the the next generation. Well, Bill. You you and I have been to many of these events together, and you've seen the emotional impact, I think, on some of these guys that we've had on the show that had no recognition previously. You know, don't you acknowledge that they, they are due that kind of recognition, some kind of recognition in racing? Well, certainly. Certainly they are. Without them, where would we be? 
and I've listened to this stuff over the years. I've heard a lot of people criticize Bill France uh, and the France family, but uh, he come along at the right time. He was the right man for that deal. And, and talking to Mike Hilton, he told me that Bill France, big Bill France, always loved those early drivers and talked about them numerous times with him. So he never forgot them. And I know when my daddy was alive, Bill France would contact him at Daytona Speed Week and tell him he had tickets and a motel room, two motel rooms across the street at the Holiday Inn. Bill France didn't forget his roots. Now, I can't speak to the others and won't speak for them. I think Deb Williams sort of told you a couple of weeks ago about that. Yeah. But they, I'm glad to see these guys get recognition all the way up to the end. I seen them sit there in the chairs and cry. And yeah. when we closed out the round table this past weekend at Daytona, over there back to the roots, Frank Warren had tears in his eyes. Yes, Dick he did. Water had tears in his eyes. Yes, he did. That was so moving. And we owe it to them. All of us do. And then you have Cody and Alex come along. I think in a, at a certain point, they'll be carrying the torch on to, to pick up on the modern guys or the guys of the 70s and 80s and then so on. Uh, in doing so, I hope that the interest in stock car racing will swing back and begin to, you know, not be going downhill like it's been going the past few years with no spectators. and. You know, the TV's on right now, no sound, and there's nobody down there at Daytona right now watching that race. There's nobody there. So my ass off to, to Cody and Alex because I think they're the future of preserving the history of stock car racing. I agree, and I think they're two great young guys to come along and do that. But let me tell you, this this radio show was the first public domain or whatever I can think of to call it, that did a public recognition of Frank Warren because we put him on the show. One of the first one of the first shows we had, Frank Warren was on. And that came about because somebody I know in Georgia told me how Frank was in such a deep depression over the thought that everybody had forgotten him. And we put him on the show. This is back before you were co-hosting with it, Bill. But we had him on the show, and he got his 40, 45 minutes to tell his stories. And to this day, every time I see him, every time I talk to him on the phone or whatever, he acknowledges that that one radio show, that one time on on the ICAST Media Network changed his life. Now, he still has issues with people that don't remember him, but at least now he knows there are people out there that know who he is. And as I understand it, he's going to be down at the Daytona 500 this weekend. So, you know, what we do here is a very small part of what's dedicated to the history of the sport when you consider all the other groups out there trying to do it. But what we do here, I think, at ICAST Media far exceeds that of, of any other network doing anything else because... We let those guys tell their stories. Everybody agree with that or any argument? Well, no argument. I, I agree with it, and that's why I made the statements that I did this past weekend. Never, never would I show one of these guys disrespect. I mean, yes. that's five words when you do that. And you saw it, Tim. 
mm-hmm. and uh, it's just not right. And I'm not going to get into that, but I will say this. Uh, I witnessed something, um, I guess it was Tuesday night, over at the uh, Living Legends autograph and auction. That was the most well-tooled and run event I have seen in years. The way the people come in and got auctioned. And they had a variety from the old to the new. With the Allisons there and uh, Lightning Epton, that's Joe Epton's wife, um, Bobby Breck, and just a great variety of race drivers. And, and some very few crew members, people like Waddell myself was there, but. Uh, and they had a lot of people seeking the autographs, and then they had the auction. But it was a beautiful, beautiful place to have it. And my hats off to uh, the guy that put that on, Eddie Roach. Now he knows what he's doing, uh, no doubt, because that that was really neat. And then um, uh, yesterday, up on the Streamline Hotel, and I will talk about that in just a minute. And then I'm gonna shut up. And y'all have it. Um, they had a. Uh, Lunching or meeting with the legends on top of the Streamline Hotel, where NASCAR was more or less born, the last meeting that really organized it. And uh, the Allisons, Red Farmer, uh, uh, Jerry Cook, and, and um, Buzzy Rudiman, and just different ones. But they had a guy up there uh, interviewing them, and uh, you could get you a drink and. and you know, whatever, and souvenirs, you buy your book, you sit down and chat with these drivers. And that was the history of that, what happened there. And to be right there on the spot where it took place with these drivers, both old and new, that was a chilling deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, my hat's off to, to Eddie Roast, where he put that together. And apparently he's going to work with the uh, Streamline Hotel to probably have some more events there next February. And uh, I'd like to say something, if I could, about the Streamline Hotel. For years, it was in dismay. And it was bought by a gentleman, and uh, he spent about $7 million in restoration and buying property around it. And it is one of the prettiest motel, uh, hotels you've ever seen. It's got four stores and a, and a balcony up on top with an ebony room. And I think it's the only hotel like that in Daytona. In fact, you can't do that anymore. It was built before the war. It had a bomb bunker. It was the first hotel. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Florida to have a water sprinkler system. And what they have done and created there is history. It's beautiful. And if you want a nice place to stay in Daytona Beach, that's the place. They have people going around cleaning all the time, sweeping the floor, mopping that floor. There's not a dirty spot in that place. Nowhere can you find it. And pictures of early stock car racing, I was surprised. And Sheila told me, said, come here and look at their um, their elevator. And uh, it went in there, and there was a couple pictures of my daddy in there from way back in the 50s. And 
the Flock Boys, Bill France, Red Byron, on and on and on. And then if you go into the lobby, you got more racing pictures and uh, down the halls. It's, it, the setting is beautiful, and they have, I just can't say enough, but and when we drove up, three of the staff come out and greeted us in the parking lot, and they recognized the car right off because they've, they've done their homework. They know what the 53 Oldsmobile is. They know what the Hudson Hornet is. And the guy that bought that uh, hotel, he, he's already studied up on that. And uh, Mike Helton, I think, has had an event over there with about 300 people. So I think it's going to be a real deal down there. It'll be a big hit. If you get a chance, guys, those people appreciate stock car racing history. They really do, and you need to patronize them. Amen to that. I, I tell you what, I was blown away. I even went on TripAdvisor and wrote a review on the hotel because they're, as you say, talk about clean. Disney World brags about how they keep their place so clean, and they do but they would be hard-pressed to compete with what the streamline does. And every member of that staff is as courteous, professional as you can find anywhere. I mean every single member of it. Even the manager of the place gets back behind the bar and takes care of the dishes and brings that help serve the food and does all that. It is just a remarkable place. And as far as my room out overlooking the beach, it was an incredible view. The beds are out of this world. They were trying to explain to me where they got these mattresses from, but it was just out of this world. So that's our commercial for the Streamline, but I've already told them I will never stay anywhere else in Daytona Beach but Streamline. Yeah, yeah. And about Absolutely. the food. What about that food, Tim? Yeah, what about that ice cream, Bill? <laughs> I tell you. I, I just can't say enough, but I was really surprised. And, yeah. and they called me a couple weeks after we had made a reservation and confirmed it again, just waiting to us to get there. And they couldn't wait. They're so enthused. So I just couldn't believe it. It's just a, it's a plus when you go to Daytona. It is. It really is. Okay, well, let's start getting some Daytona Speed Week's comments and productions or whatever you just said, Bill. There's nobody at the race tonight. I was told there was nobody at qualifying Sunday and nobody at the clash or whatever they wanted to call it. And as I said, somewhere there was a parking lot. When I came by Sunday by the Speedway, it was about a quarter of one. So that was right in the middle of qualifying, and there was a parking lot right beside the speedway said parking $20 and it looked like it would hold two or three hundred cars I saw less than 20 cars in that parking lot nobody walking the sidewalks going in or coming out so I don't know what's going to happen with that but it, it's just a sad situation but I'm glad to hear Mike Hilton and Jim France are into the historic side of it as well so Alex what comments historic side yeah. I kind of wish, you know, I wish, now I, I, I'm going to assume that not everybody's aware of it, but I kind of wish NASCAR was as promoting of their history as the NHL is. National Hockey League, I mean, they have, you can barely go a week without them talking about some historic figure. I mean, we're talking historic, like, you know, guys that retired 40, 50 years ago, and if they're still alive, they want their thoughts and want them showing up at games and stuff. Yeah, 
I mean, it's, I think from what Frank Warren said, and, and Bill, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Frank Warren said NASCAR takes care of him, gives him a hard card or whatever it is. They need same for Rex White to any of the races they want to come to. They're covered. So to that measure of it, NASCAR is acknowledging its past heroes and pioneers of the sport, but I think they owe them that, and they owe them so much more that so far they haven't done. NASCAR definitely does do a good job of taking care of the former drivers. I mean, just a few years ago before he passed away, when Bruce Hill went went to Kansas Speedway for the race, they made sure they got him the red carpet treatment. It's just, I wish there was more attention given to those kind of things. Yeah. So people would ask, you know, people would be able to ask questions and go, who is this? Well, that's what we do I mean, in the event. NASCAR is relatively young compared to other sport, professional sports, so they still have time to make it work. And they show some signs of going towards that direction, so give them 10 years and see what they do. Yeah, I think over the last year or so, they have shown great progress in recognizing the history and now that I know Mike Hilton's behind it, or a lot of behind it, that's a great thing for us to think about that Mike can do that. And we might try to get him on our show one night if we can ever get a number for him because we would like to hear his his insight as to what we could do historically. But, you know, these events that Bill and I attend and Cody that you attend in Dawsonville and Alex that you attend down there in Florida, you see... The, the people that have contributed so much and you see how they are getting the recognition and I'm assuming you see what that that does to their emotions. That's what it's all about with us. Well, damn, look at the uh, Darlington, the throwback. That's a big success. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That is a big success. In fact, I was at that Southern 500 this past year, and that was the first race I'd been to since the 2011 World 600. But, you know, things as they move in the sport right now, but we are into, and as we've talked about a couple of times, Cody, you and I especially, are really excited about this season and seeing what's going to happen, and we're excited about what's going on at Daytona right now and tomorrow night and Saturday and Sunday. That's why we're only going an hour tonight so we can get in and everyone can see the duels. I especially want to see it, and I can't see it from out here in the studio, but I just want to see what it's going to be like. I want to see what those Camaros are going to do out there. So who's leading the race right now, Bill? I believe that 22 car. Um, Magano. Yeah. Magano. Well, that, you know, the Fords were fast in, in the clash. So that was a good thing. I think the Penske cars were one, two there. So we'll have to see. Keep in mind, the Clash was running to different roles because in Clash practice, they hit 202 miles per hour close to it. So they took off 10th of, I think it was 10th. They dropped the gear, the rear gear from 3.6 to 3.5. Well, that, what I read so today. That changed things for what different teams had set up. Yeah, what I read today on NASCAR.com, and I did not know this, is that what the cars use to qualify with Sunday is what they have to run the races with tonight. So if they chose fast over handling, then they may have a problem tonight. If they chose handling over fast, they may really come out good tonight. But, 
you know, I don't know. We'll have to see how that comes down. Yeah. Tell you one thing I, I haven't really quite understood is um, I was always a, a bigger fan of the the duels when it was in, on the, uh, what am I trying to say, in the daytime, you know, and I said this last week in, in the clash at night, and to me, if the 500 is a day race and you're using the same car in the duels, why try and have a night setup when you can't change it until you know the 500 for a day setup you know whereas the clash you run totally different cars so go ahead and make that your night race and make that different setup and then keep your your day set up for the clash or the the duels in the 500 all right well that makes a lot of sense and i've heard an awful lot of people say taking them out of the daytime and putting it night was really stupid in fact i have one guy on social media today say it's really screwed up his work schedule because he used to go to lunch at a sports bar and sit there and watch the races and get good and looped while he raced to watch the duels and he never went back to work on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so it really messed up his day and for that we're sorry, but I, I don't know. I don't think NASCAR really cares about that. But I know it's done in an effort to be in prime time on Thursday night, but they stick it on Fox Sports 1 and I don't know how many people have that on their cable set up but there's a lot of people that won't be able to watch it but then now you've got somebody was telling me and i think it was dan telling me you live stream all this stuff well i don't know how to live stream and i'm not intending to learn mm -hmm. I don't yeah but moving it to night you, uh, you think they're really worried because i've heard from some promoters that they're not worried about how many people's in the stands anymore. They rely upon the TV money. Well, that could be. That is probably very true, Bill. But how long is the TV money going to continue if the TV networks and the sponsors aren't getting anything out of it? Well, I don't know, but uh, you you got to remember the uh, uh, sponsorship of the word using uh, sponsor of NASCAR. Uh, they got a deal on that, didn't they? Well, they got a deal on it, and it expires at the end of the season, and so far, they haven't negotiated a renewal of it, from what I understand. Of course, some of the things I found out that I can't really disclose entirely, in a conversation I had outside the streamline on Monday night, there are a lot of things going on in NASCAR that the public doesn't know about, and probably is never going to know about, and... What I was told, the things that I can't even repeat, it makes a lot of sense because I've actually seen them happening in front of my own eyes, but I didn't understand what it was about. But it's like the whole new rules package they got, where they got the, the tire changing guns, whatever you call those things, NASCAR is issuing those. Now, five men over the wall, apparently, from what they were doing in the uh, shootout Sunday with the five men was not a big distraction. So, you know, I, I really don't know. But well, one thing that's pretty public, Tim, is that people now know that NASCAR's trying to sell the, the deal. You know, it's been yes, I was just going to bring that up. Now, that came out a few weeks ago and NASCAR denied it. Now, it has come out again, I think, yesterday or today with some fairly strong substantiation to it. I, I hope they don't in a way. I just 
wish things had settled down and it, it get back to being the way it used to be when racing was racing. But as long as they got rules that you've got to have two engineers to decipher, well, I'm afraid it's still going to be in trouble. No, I think so, too. I really think so. But, you know, one of the guys I met while I was in Daytona was racing the trucks, Norm Benning, and I had a, a long conversation with him about where NASCAR is going and where he thinks it's going. And he certainly does everything he can to support it, everything he can to present it in the best light possible everywhere he goes. But I I think reading between the lines in that conversation, it was like he believes it or he wants to believe it, but I'm not sure that he would go to court and swear under oath that it has a good day coming. Well, Tim... These teams and a lot of people have got so much invested in it, they don't have no choice but to support it. I mean, they stand, some people, uh, any team owner, Hendrick, Childers, they stand to lose a fortune if, if it goes down the tube. I mean, they got no choice. Well, that's true. And I think in, in the overall scheme of that, with the Penske and the Hendricks and Richard Childers and, and JGR, it, you know, and all that comes into play, they will find some way to keep it from going down the tubes. Now, I don't know what way that was. Did you talk to Huppy Wheeler when we were over at Back to the Roots? No, I didn't. I talked to him for just a few minutes, and he was kind of, when I asked him something about the future of NASCAR and his involvement in that future, he just said, well, I think his answer was, I really don't know, but the twinkle in his eye seem to say, I really don't know, but if I get a chance to get my hands in it. Now, he did not say anything about it, but it was just kind of me again reading between the lines, but I'm not good at reading anyway. Yeah, <laughs> well, there, there's no doubt. We can only hope and, and keep on supporting it and enjoy it. And, you know, I, I loved racing back in the day, and, mm-hmm. and I still love it today. Or wouldn't be spending about eight or ten hours a day fooling with it, but it's 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 in us. We gotta we gotta believe and, and I'm hoping that everything will turn out fine for them one day and uh, how much longer do we have left him at my age? I'm just hoping I can check out that it's still going. Well Bill, as good a shape as you're in and all that you do from your hard work all the time, you'll be around about eighty years from now, so I don't know. Uh, Tim, don't we have a guy with uh, uh, Eddie uh, lined up to come on in a week or two? Eddie Roach? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get, I did not, I don't think, get his number, but you get me his number, I'll get him lined up on there. I I got it, but uh, we can uh, find out what the future is and perhaps their goal at the living legend and and how they're going to work it with the early pioneers versus what's in the future you know and that would be good to know because i mean he's a smart dude and i'm glad that they got him well let's try to get him on next week bill if we can do him if that's not pushing it too early but you know when we were down there when i first got down there on sunday i think there was an awful lot of friction going on between Living Legends and Back to the Roots. And then by the time I left there Tuesday, that had kind of calmed down. 
from what I can tell, but what we don't need in any of these things we do is friction between any of these groups. You know, it's kind of like, and I hate to use DW for a dictionary, but he came up with that word coopetition. And I think what we all ought to be doing that are interested in preserving the history is a little bit of cooperating and feeding off of each other what we can do because what living legends can contribute and what Back to the Roots can contribute and what Augusta International Raceway Preservation Society contributes and the Jacksonville Club contributes and what Hillsboro was contributing. You know, if all of that had been put together in one neat little package, we would have some dynamite to play with. But what we've got now is we're not, we are not competing with anybody. We are our own entity doing what we do. And from what I can tell by the people that come in and listen to our archives and people that listen to us live, we're not doing a bad job. And I think, you know, all of us should be proud of that, but we need to be proud of it because of the people that join us on the air and for the people that come here to listen every week. So that's what it's all about. As I said last week, and I think you saw it, Bill, our radio show now has a brick in the Walk of Fame at Bill Francis Gas Station. So yeah, it's down there. It's recognized. So we've we've got that end of it covered as well. You know, let me say something about Hillsborough just a minute. A lot of comments were made about how much they used to enjoy going to Hillsborough. Oh, yeah. Uh, they said that was a great banquet. Uh, it's just a great bunch of people. And uh, that was the gold barrier of of the events, really, and uh, those people worked hard down there. Um, Gerald Talbot worked hard. I've seen Gerald do a lot of good stuff down there, and Frank Craig and all those guys, and Gene Hobby. And, of course, it went uh, south here last year, but uh, my hope is it would really be nice if all of them would just get back together and, and do it again and start up again, because that the place is such a historic place. Mm-hmm. And those guys did work together and work hard at one time, and my hope is that it can all be brought back. Um, I just wish it would. And, and if there's any way I can help, I'm, I'd, I'd certainly try to, but let's just keep our fingers crossed. Maybe one day things will calm down and it'll get going again. Well, you know, I'm in on that too. All right, guys, in an effort to start winding this down before 8 o'clock, anything else you want to say, Bill? No, I've said it about off. I said it more, I'd probably get in trouble. You would never get in trouble with us. But just hang on the line while we finish up here. All right, Alex, your turn. Go for it. Uh, I think I, I'm in a position where I'm kind of like Bill Blair. If I say any more, I might start drawing people's ire. But I, I think what Bill Blair is saying is along the right lines, you know, Hopefully in a few years you get Okunichi back. And then as you were saying, there needs to be there needs to be some level of cooperation because I always feel like when I go to the Daytona events, I feel like I'm if I go to one one's event and I'm kinda like taking a slate at the other, it's somehow I don't know. I think it's because of the competition, especially like with the Saturday beach parade. There always seems to be a competition to get each other's name more prominently associated with that when in reality it's just put together by Racing's North Turn. Mm-hmm. 
That's exactly right. And they do have something. They have a lot of potential that could be used if they start cooperating. But the position they're both in right now is one where, you know, if they merge and things don't go as well as expected, they're not strong enough to overcome it. Especially, I don't know for back, about Back to the Roots. I'm not too familiar with their management. But I know that Living Legends has, in the last few years, lost a lot of key figures like Ray Fox. And I can't remember who, who his name was. One of the other, I think it was one of the board members or former board members who was still heavily involved passed away. And you I start don't losing remember. leadership. I don't... And I, the thing I noticed. I haven't, again, haven't been to any Back to the Roots events because of scheduling. But when I go to the Living Legends events, every year I see the same faces one year older. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's kind of how it seemed to be with Okanichi. It seemed like same drivers came, same figures came back, just one year older. And there's, I mean, there's definitely some way. One thing I've noticed is that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot, you know, all these groups seem to kind of cut off around, we'll say the start of the Winston Cup era. They have short track drivers. They have NASCAR drivers. They sometimes have sprint car drivers from that era and before. But there's a lot of untapped potential that follows it. And I think it's because we've gotten so used with the mass media effect that came to NASCAR starting with the 70s when they started getting, when they got Winston and they got on television. They started getting more recognition, and they slowly, people started to f- forget in terms of the more, even at the more national level, people started, to, I think, to forget about the impact of the short track drivers as more focus got generated onto the speedways, whereas before, the short track racing got would get just as much attention in the local paper as the national level racing. Well... You made a lot of valid points on that statement, Alex, but I think the the merging that you mentioned is not what I was even thinking about, but I was thinking about just cooperation between all the groups because it shouldn't be competing. It should be, as DW would say, cooperation. You know, and I think in a way, Back to the Roots and Living Legends has done that or have done that because they've scheduled their events where Really, they don't conflict with each other, you know. So I think that's the first step in the process when they can do something like that. So, all right, Cody, you're up. All right, and I was going to add something from earlier when you got to talking about Mike Helton uh, and how he appreciates the history. I can say when Raymond Parks passed away uh, in 2010, we had his funeral uh, right in downtown Atlanta, one of the oldest funeral homes in the, the the city or maybe even the state. But I was so proud to see Mike Helton there. It, it really shocked me. And um, he and uh, another member from, you know, the NASCAR uh, higher-ups was in attendance. And I was very proud of that. I was very proud that he was there to honor Raymond and to pay his respects. And, you know, that just meant a lot to me personally and I'm sure a lot of others. Um but, you know, looking on to Daytona uh, here in just last few minutes, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, I hope that uh, we can 
have another great weekend and and really build on build on the history and just make more history. Um, you know, like we said earlier, hope hope that uh, one day we can just bring more awareness and and bring more bring a culture to the the history of racing. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people these days that are interested in, in vintage things or you know vintage cars, clothing, uh, the the lifestyle and uh, what have you. And I just hope that one day uh, you can bring a recognition to the older uh, form of, of stock car racing. And uh, you know, I think we're definitely on a really good track for that. Um, for the, you know, the, the Daytona 500, there's, there's, there's so many good memories I have and, and memories I have of, of watching older races where I, I think I have a memory, but in reality, you know, I don't have a memory of the 1960 Daytona 500. I know what happened, but, you know, I obviously wasn't there to, to witness it, but, you know, so much history, um, you know, really looking forward to, uh, listening to the race. Uh, I won't be able to watch the race as I'll be heading back from Florida myself. But, um, you know, like I mentioned before, I love listening to the race on MRN, PRN, whichever one is going to cover it. Uh, they do such a great job of covering that race, you know, not just this race, but races in general. I mean, if you're watching the same race on TV, it's almost like they're watching two totally different things, you know. Yeah, the the radio announcers that. do such a great job of bringing life to what's going on when even there might be uh, no action on track at all. Yeah. I know the radio people, it's like I said, the first time I realized that was at the 64, I think it was a Rebel race or the Southern 500 at Darlington when it was this knockdown drag out fight between Richard Petty and Fred Lorenzo and if you were watching it in person as I was and listening to it on your little transistor radio you wondered well am I really here watching this or what's going on because what I'm hearing is not what I'm seeing but it was still very well described and very well put out and I'm sure people listening anywhere else was getting really excited but get really excited because the radio announcers were adding so much color and everything else to it. You know, that was the first time they would say something like, Lorenzo's within two car lengths of Petty. And I would think, my God, what kind of cars are we talking about? Funeral limousines or what here? But, you know, it was the kind of thing that, yeah, they make it interesting. I'm proud of what radio does. I think radio, the words paint the pictures that the eyes can't see. And sometimes the words paint a better picture than what the eyes are able to perceive. So, you know, that's just my opinion. Anything else anybody have tonight? Yes. Just remember, radio started at Donald in 1950 with Harold Brasington. Right. Right. I have one thing. What? Our last thing before we go off for tonight should be, one by one, who's your Daytona 500 pick? Bill, who? Who's going to win it? Yeah. The first that gets the checkered flag. <laughs> touche, Bill. Touche. That's why we love Bill Blair, because he occupies a very special title under smart whatever. But, yeah, that that's a good one, Bill. That's a good one. Cody, what do you think? Well, it, it's really hard to pick because Daytona is such a crapshoot. I mean, you can come from 10th to 2nd in one lap. And you can go from second to tenth in one lap. Um, real quick, I would say that 
one of your, one of your best bets if you were a betting person would be a Penske Ford, and I would say Kozlowski. I mean, not just because he won the clash, but now that Junior's gone, he's the highest active plate driver there is. He's got yeah. five uh, uh, five Talladega victories, and I know he's won. I think to to uh, firecracker races might be just one, but regardless, I mean he's he's got he's got it down when it comes to um, plate racing, and he's my pick. I think he is he knows what he's doing when it comes to the draft. He had a good teacher from from Earnhardt, and I I think he is going to do something. If he's not going to win, he's going to finish pretty high up, or he's going to go out trying. You know. That's All right, Alex, who do you think? I was going to say Keselowski too. So. Okay, well, just to be a little bit different and to still continue my allegiance to the 43, I would like to see Bubba Wallace win that race for Petty to win the Daytona 500. The 43 back in victory lane would make me happy, but realistically, I think you've got to go with one of the Penske Fords. And I wouldn't mind that Penske Ford being Ryan Blaney. Absolutely. I just I think the world of Ryan Blaney, and I think he does an awful lot of things that the old-time race drivers used to do as far as fans are concerned, and that much I appreciate. It would be good for NASCAR. He is an old soul. Yeah. What did you say, Bill? It would be good for NASCAR, too. Yeah, I agree. It would be almost like Earnhardt Jr. winning, wouldn't it? It would. I think so. It would be a great thing. All right, gentlemen, I thank each and every one of you. Bill, it was great getting a chance to spend the weekend with you and Sheila. Alex, it was great to see you over there on Monday. Cody, we haven't seen you yet, but we'll have to work that out. But thank you all for dedicating an hour tonight to this show and to the history of the sport. I appreciate it. If you want to hang on while I sign off, all I want to do is to thank everyone who supports our efforts here to record and preserve stock car racing history in its truest form. Those of you who listen and those of you who catch us on the archives from around the world, by the way, are appreciated very much. We present the history as told by those who lived it. We are here at ICAST Media are pleased with the response we have received from around the world and hope you will continue to find pleasure through what we do here. Our heartfelt thank you to the veterans who protect us and keep us free. We thank you for your sacrifice and for the sacrifice of your families who give so much to the protection of our freedoms. Thank you to our first responders. And God knows in Florida, they really had an ordeal to go through yesterday. We appreciate your courage and dedication to duty. Okay, Our Racing Heroes, an effort by Bill Blair Jr., is available on YouTube. And he has some fantastic interviews there, and it's also on Bill's Facebook page. Great interviews with pioneers of early stock car racing. Also, check out racefansforever.org for interesting viewpoints and some good stories told from now and then. For now, I will say good night, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the show, and will be with us next week and every Thursday for what we know will be racing history presented at its very best. Now, everyone go sit in front of their TVs, Watch the duels from Daytona, and then we'll be back to watch the truck race, the Xfinity race, and the Daytona 500. So keep that excitement level up, folks, because we really want to see NASCAR pull out a good season. Good night, everybody. Love you all. God bless us, everyone.